0: Amen. Please remain standing if you're able and turn with me to Genesis 34. That is what we look for the Lord to do when we open his word. He speaks through the scriptures. His spirit still speaks through the word that he inspired. Genesis 34. Hear God's holy word. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had born to Jacob, went out to see the women of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, he seized her and lay with her and humiliated her. And his soul was drawn to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, He loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor, saying, Get me this girl for my wife. Now Jacob heard that he had defiled his daughter Dinah, but his sons were with his livestock in the field. So Jacob held his peace until they came. And Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. The sons of Jacob had come in from the field as soon as they heard of it, and the men were indignant and very angry because he had done an outrageous thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, for such a thing must not be done. But Hamor spoke with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him to be his wife. Make marriages with us. Give your daughters to us and take our daughters for yourselves. You shall dwell with us and the land shall be open to you. Dwell and trade in it and get property in it. Shechem also said to her father and to her brothers, Let me find favor in your eyes, and whatever you say to me, I will give. Ask me for as great a bride price and gift as you will, and I will give whatever you say to me. Only give me the young woman to be my wife. The sons of Jacob answered Shechem and his father Hamor deceitfully because he had defiled their sister, Dinah. They said to him, We cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised. For that would be a disgrace to us. Only on this condition will we agree with you, that you will become as we are by every male among you being circumcised. Then we will give our daughters to you, and we will take your daughters to ourselves, and we will dwell with you and become one people, But if you will not listen to us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and we will be gone. Their words pleased Hamor and Hamor's son Shechem. And the young man did not delay to do the thing because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. Now he was the most honored of all his father's house. So Hamor and his son Shechem came to the gate of their city and spoke to the men of the city, saying, These men are at peace with us. Let them dwell in the land and trade in it. For behold, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters as wives and let us give them our daughters. Only on this condition will the men agree to dwell with us, to become one people. When every male among us is circumcised, as they are circumcised, will not their livestock, their property, And all their beasts be ours? Only let us agree with them, and they will dwell with us. And all who went out of the gate of his city listened to Hamor and his son Shechem. And every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of his city. On the third day, when they were sore, two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, "...took their swords and came against the city while it felt secure, and killed all the males. They killed Hamor and his son Shechem with the sword, and took Dinah out of Shechem's house and went away. Sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city, because they had defiled their sister. And they took their flocks and their herds, their donkeys, and whatever was in the city and, and field." all their wealth, all their little ones, all their wives, all that was in the houses they captured and plundered. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have brought trouble on me by making me stink to the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites and the Perizzites. My numbers are few, and if they gather themselves against me and attack me, I shall be destroyed, both I and my household. But they said, Should he treat our sister like a prostitute? Amen. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. You may be seated. This passage is a very sad one. Jacob had been doing well. He had had his problems in the past. He's gone through many trials that God used in his life to change him. He was sanctifying him through those troubles and trials. And then we've seen that he's gone through some real high points since then as well, spiritual uh, high points. And we call them mountain, mountaintop-type experiences. We see him wrestling with God and receiving God's blessing. We see him clinging to God until he would receive that blessing, persevering in that way. We see him obeying God's call to go back to Canaan. We see him desiring to be reconciled to his brother Esau. They're all such good things. We saw how he was learning to trust in the Lord when he... uh, was so afraid of that meeting with Esau and with good reason. But then after that meeting turned out to be a surprisingly good one, things took a turn uh, for the better for Jacob. But he's had some sad failures as well. He failed to obey the Lord and the Lord calling him to return to Bethel he didn't return to Bethel. Instead, he, re- he settled here in this place called Shechem. Shechem was a crossroads for travel and trade. And so uh, there were advantages to being there. It was within the promised land. And so I'm sure Jacob thought that was something. He was called by God to return to the land but this wasn't the place within the land where God wanted him to be. Jacob probably reasoned in his mind that this would be an advantageous position for him to be there because he could increase his wealth. As people came through, he could trade with the travelers. He could trade with the people there. But if that was his thinking, he was essentially doing what Lot did. Remember Lot settling in Sodom. Lot aligned himself with the wicked Canaanites. And he knew that it could be a profitable move for him to settle there. It could make him prosper. And it did. He grew uh, richer and more powerful there. It seems Jacob is doing something similar here, but Jacob was compromising just as Lot had. And here in this chapter, we see the sad consequence of that compromise. They weren't there long, and things got ugly fast. Jacob's daughter goes out into the land, and she's raped. Dinah, this young girl, goes out to spend time with the Canaanite women, we're told, probably the young women her own age, and we're not told here that she had any parental permission to do this. And really, the gist of the passage is that she did not, and the, the sense of what would have been done in that culture and those days is that she should not have been doing this. Even today, in the Middle East, women don't go out in public alone. And so she was probably acting in disobedience to her parents. It certainly was unwise. And nothing good came of it. So the Bible is presenting her here uh, not uh, as if she did nothing wrong. She made a very bad choice in this situation, and it got her into a very bad spot. But even though she got herself into this trouble, obviously her attacker was to blame. But Jacob also is to blame. Jacob is the one who put his family in that spot, in that city of Shechem. It was his disobedient decision to settle there with the ungodly people of Shechem, So Dinah, this young woman, goes out to meet these women of the land. Again, probably uh, young women, her own age. And while she was out, this man Shechem, the son of the local ruler, saw her, took a liking to her, he seized her and raped her. She was probably just a teenager, maybe 15 years old, give or take a few years He took her and violated her against her will and took her uh, basically uh, like a slave into his home, all against her will. This was an evil thing, a degrading crime. But despite the way he treated her, it's so strange to see that the man had strong, fond feelings for her. He cared for her. Apparently a little time had passed here and he had these strong feelings for her. That doesn't make it any better, not in the least. But because he had those feelings for her, he asked his father to secure Dinah's hand in marriage for him. Now, when Jacob learned about this, he learned about this rape of his daughter His sons were out in the field working and we're told he kept silent about it until they came home. That's a strange note about his reaction. He kept silence. And Jacob was not the silent type. He was not the uh, unemotional um, silent type of person. He's been emotional in the past. We've seen him get very emotional uh, in his interactions with Laban, for example. He, uh, when he is wronged, he gets upset about it. We'll see him get uh, very emotional later about Rachel's death, his wife. He's going to get very emotional later when he loses his favorite son, Joseph, when he thinks he's lost him to death. But he really shows no emotion here. He's way too cool here about this. And he does nothing about this rape of his daughter. Why is that? It may have been to some extent uh, that the males were favored in that society by their parents as is often the case, sadly and shouldn't be the case it still is, I remember growing up like that the young men in my family seemed to be the favorites of the grandparents and our parents but really I think what's going on here is that she, as the text tells us Dinah is the daughter of Leah Leah, you remember, was never loved by her husband, Jacob. And it seems that his feelings toward Leah were at least to some extent transferred to his children, including Dinah, her children, Leah's children. And that's terrible, isn't it? It's so ugly when we see parents showing favoritism toward one child over another. And we see that here. Uh, We see it in other places as well in the Scriptures. Uh, This was not one of Jacob's shining moments. Uh, It really shows his lack of love. His own disobedience is what exposed his young daughter uh, to this shameful abuse. And now he does nothing to stand up for her. Worse yet, he's not doing anything to stand up for the Lord and his holiness. And really, throughout the story, he doesn't do much at all. It's his sons who do something about it. When Jacob's sons heard about the rape, they came in from the fields, and verse 7 says they were very angry. They were indignant. So, even if her father didn't seem to love Dinah very much, her brothers did. They cared. They loved her, and they were burning with anger at her attacker. It was an evil thing that he had done, a disgraceful thing that he had done to her. Now, think about their anger. It's not wrong to be angry about evil It's right. God calls us to hate evil. He certainly calls us to hate our own sin. It would not be wrong to be angry and grieved at sin like was perpetrated here. That anger needs to be tempered, though. Our anger always needs to be tempered. Paul says in Ephesians 4, in your anger, do not sin. But anger itself is and certainly can be a right and proper response to wrongs, especially to a terrible sin being committed like we see here. Whether it's a sin that's committed against you or a sin that's committed against someone you care about, Anger isn't an appropriate response. And to not be angry about it, well, something's wrong in that case. Well, these brothers certainly were angry. Unfortunately, they did let their anger lead them to sin. Now, in that culture, it's important to note that rape was sometimes used as a strategy to force a family into a marriage contract. That's a terrible thing to think about, isn't it? It was commonplace then. The pagan people of the ancient Near East often did this. They often dealt with uh, one another that way. One writer says, Shechem, in accord with the customs of his day, considered this beautiful stranger to be fair game. He picked her up and promptly defiled her. And then he sought to gain her hand in marriage. What a horrible thing. Horrible. And yet it was not an uncommon thing, sadly. Look back at verse 7. These brothers, what they say about this, the statement that they made. They said Shechem had done an outrageous thing in Israel. Isn't that interesting? They say in Israel. You know, the land is filled with Canaanites. Israel is not a nation yet. Yet they refer to themselves as Israel. They are Israel. These people, this little family, this this is the community of God's people. They understood that God had made his covenant uh, with Abraham and Isaac and now Jacob and his descendants. They are Israel now, and they are not aligned with the world. They're distinct. They're separate from the world. They're different. They have a unique, special relationship with God. But this relationship also meant that they had different moral standards than the world. And this trick, this rape trick that this young man used to try to force marriage upon them, it might have been okay with the Canaanites to pull this kind of thing, but it was not okay with God's people. God's people have higher standards for sexual purity and marriage. They did then, and we should now. And this anger that we see in these men wasn't just because Shechem hurt their sister. Certainly that was part of it. But this was a righteous indignation, a right kind of anger that flowed from their knowledge of God and His will. Well, next we see this marriage proposal. Shechem's father goes to Jacob and tries to arrange a marriage between their two children. But he's after more than just that one marriage. He asked for a marriage treaty between these two families he wants them to uh, intermarry with all their people he said intermarry with us settle among us the land is open to you live in it trade in it acquire property in it and of course this is a, a little glimpse of what the future is going to hold for israel this is the same temptation that the israelites always faced in the land from the Canaanites and the nations around them. And that was the temptation to compromise spiritually in order to get ahead in worldly things. Compromise spiritually for worldly gain. And we see it even more when Shechem comes along himself, this young man, And he offers to pay any amount, any dowry amount that Jacob wanted. Name the price, he says. Obviously, he was wealthy. He was willing to pay anything to get this young woman's hand in marriage. Name the price. I'll pay it. He was going to pay all right, but in a different way. was... The brothers sat and listened to all this, but they already had a plan. And it was not the plan that was being proposed by Shechem's father. In verse 13 we read, The sons of Jacob answered Shechem and his father Hamor deceitfully. They said, We cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, That would be a disgrace. Only on this one condition will we do it, that every male among you is circumcised. These people were not circumcised. Although it was a common practice in the ancient Near East, the people, many of them practiced circumcision for different reasons. So the people of Shechem were familiar, they knew what it was, and And yet this whole proposal by the sons of Jacob was a complete deception. It was a lie. One massive lie. But in verses 18 to 19, we read, uh, their words pleased Hamor and Shechem. And the young men did not delay to do this thing. Shechem immediately was circumcised because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. And they went and pitched the idea of circumcision to the whole community, to all the men of Shechem. And they sold them on it by stressing the benefits that they would get from this new arrangement, this relationship with Jacob and his clan. Hamar told them, Will not their livestock and property and all their beasts be ours? Let's agree with them, and they will dwell with us. We see their motives here. What rascals they were. They were up to no good. They intended to um, take full advantage of that relationship with Jacob and his people. And they used that greed... Uh, to win the other men of Shechem over. And they agreed to the plan. They saw the advantages, and they were willing to be circumcised. And they were. And when that was done, we read that on the third day, when these newly circumcised men were still in pain from that surgery, two of Dinah's brothers Took swords and came to the city and killed all those men. It was a brutal slaughter. Absolutely brutal. They killed Hamor, they killed his rapist son, and they freed Dinah from his house where she was being held. And they took and looted everything that was valuable, including all the women and children took them as captives. And when Jacob heard of this, this massacre, he was very upset, but not like he should have been. His reasons were selfish. He's more worried about his welfare than about this horrible atrocity that had just been carried out by his kids, not to mention the the blasphemy of using God's covenant sign of circumcision to, to trick these men into this mass murder situation. These sons of Jacob had gone way beyond what would have been a just response to Dinah's rape. They should have sought a just response The ancient law was an eye for an eye. But these men disregarded that, and they just acted in their rage. They went way over the top in their response. They were wrong to do that. Still, Jacob was only worried about how this murder of all these men was going to cause trouble for him. But his two sons persisted in claiming it was the right thing to do, that their actions were justified. They said, should he have treated our sister like a prostitute? So we need to think about the realism we see here shown to us. That's one thing I appreciate the Bible. It doesn't whitewash anything. It doesn't whitewash the sins of unbelievers, and it doesn't whitewash the sins of God's people. We see that here. Honest realism. It's just brutally honest about human nature and human behavior. It doesn't gloss over sin, even the sins of God's people. This passage shows us the the depths of evil, not just that these Canaanites... Uh, unbelievers were capable of, but what these professing believers were capable of. They went beyond the evil that the unbelievers had perpetrated. No one comes out of this story looking good. The sin of Jacob's sons is pretty obvious here. They used deceit, they used religion to commit genocide, And the sin of Jacob has to be noted here. Jacob was pathetic in his response to his daughter's rape and to his son's murder spree. He's basically silent at both of these things. He should have shown love and concern for Dinah. He should have shown a real desire for justice, He should have led his sons in a godly response to that rape. And even after that massacre had taken place, he should have clearly and firmly condemned their sin. Instead, he was basically silent as they argued with him and justified themselves. He was negligent. He closed his eyes to the sin of his children And this whole mess, again, is basically on him, on Jacob, for settling there in the first place. That was his compromise, but he took no responsibility for it. And the crazy thing is that Abraham's offspring were supposed to be what to the nations? They were supposed to be a blessing. And we don't see that here. God had appointed them for that. We don't see them being a blessing here. Instead, they seem to be a curse to the men of Shechem. And again, it all started with Jacob and his disobedience. If he had obeyed God, if he had gone to Bethel, none of this would have happened. And so this passage is a warning to us It's a warning to God's people in every age. It shows us what our hearts are capable of. And it's also a very clear warning against disobedience and spiritual compromise. Disobedience to God and his word can set us on a path of compromise that will go from bad to worse. And we will not like where it takes us. We see that with Jacob and his family here. The consequences of disobedience can be far worse than you possibly even can imagine. So where are we left at the end of this passage here? If we're honest, honest about ourselves we're left with the realization that we are really not all that much different from Jacob and his children. We still act very sinfully. We still have that same sin nature within us. We still don't love others the way we ought to. Even our own family members we still don't hate sin the way we should, the way God hates it. And so we still desperately need forgiveness. God has begun a good work in us, just as he had done with Jacob. But until our dying day, we still will need that forgiveness of our sins that God has provided for us in Jesus Christ. We still need to look to Him for that full pardon and cleansing from all our sins. And that was Jacob's hope as well, his only hope. And he had to look forward for that Forgiveness. He had to look forward to a son that he did not have yet. He had to look forward to a sinless son who would come to redeem Israel. And not only Israel, but the world. That son's obedience was full. It was not a halfway obedience. It was complete. It was perfect, perfect obedience. And so also were his sufferings and his death for all our disobedience. So that's where we're left, dear friends. We're left with the knowledge that we need the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in him. Trust in that son. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone and you will be saved let's pray together Heavenly Father we we thank you for your word and we humbly acknowledge its authority over us it speaks directly to us it convicts us of our sin and we confess that we are sinners and we have sinned horribly. Our sin is no less horrible than the sins we see uh, in this story. And we've failed even to recognize the the gravity of our sin, the, the horror of it, the seriousness of it. And so we pray that you would convict us of our sin, but also, Lord, convict us of your amazing grace that saves us. We pray that that conviction of our sins would lead us to know our great need for the Lord Jesus Christ and to trust in him with all our hearts as our Savior. We believe that you have sent him to save us and that in him we have your full forgiveness of all our sins. Even now, And forever, through him and through his obedience and his death for us. We thank you, Lord, for your Son, our great Savior. And it's in his name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.